0: We're at the beginning of summertime and it would be a great opportunity for me to remind you that as you do your summer travels and you go places and do things with family that may take you away on the weekend, you can take us with you and you can always watch live online on your phone or your laptop, uh, your tablet, whatever. You can stream live, I mean stream on demand all week long so you don't have to miss anything. And so some of you are doing that like right now. And so we're so glad that you have joined us for this brand new series. So let's talk about prayer. Let's talk about prayer. Prayer for a lot of people is um, a very normal part of their lives. Yet I think for a bigger majority, it's kind of odd. You're talking to someone you can't see and yet, for another group of the population, it's intriguing. I can certainly relate to that. Prayer is intriguing, but it's always been a part of religious experience. Prayer has always been a part of religious practice and expression, regardless of what religion you're talking about. And for followers of Jesus, when it when it comes to Christians, I think most Christians want to pray. I, I, I think it's a desire that they have, except I think they don't because sometimes they're just intimidated. It can be an intimidating thing. Am I doing this right? Am I not? Maybe it's because they don't feel like they know how to pray. I'm not quite sure how this works. You know, hands, kneel, what? And if you're, if you're a non-Christian, if, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I, I think that your interest is also there. It, at least, if it's not a part of your life, which is probably not, at least until something you know, goes wrong kind of thing, and that's kind of like for all of us, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, I think you're at least intrigued, interested. Because I've never met a non-Christian. I've never met anyone that's not a follower of Jesus that doesn't at least want to be prayed for. I mean, when I meet someone that doesn't go to church and someone that's not, you know, a Christian or a religious person, and they find out I'm a pastor, they're just like, oh, oh, you need to pray for me. <laughs> I'm like, I bet I do. <laughs> right? And they start telling me, let me tell you why. No, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. You don't need to tell me all that. It's like, you know, I don't do that kind of stuff, you know. Oh, man, this this topic of prayer is just so fascinating to me, and and there's just no way we can cover it all. It's a huge, massive topic, massive. There's no way. We'll just barely scratch the surface, but there's a couple of things I want to let you know up front as we begin this series and some things that we'll come back to. You need to know up front, first of all, that prayer is a conversation with God. That's it. It's a conversation with God. It is that simple. And there are no special words. There are no magic words. It's like you have to say it like this. You have to say it like that. I've always been interested in church, you know, to hear people pray and how their voice changes when they pray. You don't talk like that all the time, do you? <laughs> like, just, just be you. It's just, you're just talking to God. And there's so many examples in, in the scriptures, in the Bible. Of this conversation. There are short conversations, short prayers, long conversations, longer prayers, conversations for men and women, young and old, all walks of life. It's a conversation with God. But here's something else. This is so very important you need to understand prayer is a mystery. There is a mystery to prayer, and it, it will always be that way. I, I don't fully understand everything there is to know about prayer. I don't fully understand how it all works. I don't know anyone on earth, any human, that fully understands how it all works. I got so many questions about prayer. I got so many questions like why, why are some prayers answered with a yes and, and, and some are answered with a no and some are answered with a wait, which feels like no, at least initially, you know, I, I I can't answer all of those questions, and it seems like the older I have, some t- to get I, the, the more questions I have. There's no formula for prayer. I, I'll meet people from time to time, and I, I've heard Christians and well-intended people said, "We got figure it figured out. You say this, then you say this, then you say this, then you say this, and boom, prayer works, and you you get what you want." well, it didn't work like that for me. Well, did you say this before you said that? Because if you got that out of order and the dials aren't just tweaked just right, God's like, yeah, close. Go back, come back when you get the order right. What the crap? That's nowhere in the scriptures. You see, I'm a little jacked up about this kind of stuff. I just, there's no formula. If someone tells you there's a formula to prayer, they don't know near as much about prayer as they want you to think they do. Here's what we do know, though. Even though there's so much mystery, so much mystery around prayer, we do know this. That God invites us to come to him in prayer. In fact, he even commands us to. It's, It's important. It's necessary. We know that Jesus prayed, and we know that there is power in prayer. One more thing before we jump into the guts of what we're going to talk about. Prayer is sometimes public, mostly private, but always personal. Sometimes it's public. And that's, it's, you know, we, we know that in a church settings. And if you're me, a pastor, you know, like anytime I'm in any place where a prayer is prayed, they're like, hey, why don't you pray, pastor? I wonder what would happen sometime if I looked at people and went, No, I think you can do it. <laughs> I know and do that. That's just what I think. It's like, I don't have any special pull, you know? Uh, can you pray for us? We don't want it to rain on our special day. Okay, I'll ask God to change the weather pattern for the whole eastern United States just for you. And ignore the farmer down the street who desperately is praying for. Anyway, um, it's a mystery, it's a mystery, it's a mystery. Right? Sometimes it's public, okay, and I get that part, All right, but you need to understand this. The more familiar you are with this conversation of prayer, you're going to understand that most of it is private. Most of it is you talking to God about things that I don't know and things that other people don't know, and it's about me talking to God about things that you'll never know about me and things you'll never understand about my heart. It is mostly private, but whether it's public or private, it is always, 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 always personal. And so we're getting ready to talk about the most famous prayer ever prayed. This series is about prayer, specifically what the Lord's prayer teaches us about prayer. The most famous prayer. Now what's interesting is this is not, we're not, you know, what we call the Lord's prayer is not really the Lord's prayer. We, we call it the Lord's prayer and there's nothing wrong with calling it the Lord's prayer, but it's not really a prayer the Lord Jesus prayed. Because in this prayer, it has, you know, confession of sin, and he had none, right? No, this is actually a prayer for us to pray that the Lord gave us as an example to pray, to guide us. And so that's why we call it the Lord's Prayer. It's the prayer from the Lord, but he didn't actually pray it. Many examples of the kinds of things Jesus did pray for, we can talk about that at another time, but this is actually kind of our prayer from the Lord. One more thing I need to tell you here, This is not really something that we were given just to recite word for word over and over and over and over and over and over again. There's nothing, you know, there's no special place that God gives you if you just repeat the Lord's Prayer over and over and over and over and over again. And you see, there's a danger with saying anything over and over and over and over and over again because it begins to lose its meaning. Right? Anything you say over and over and over and over and over and over again, you know, doesn't quite have the umph. And the meaning and the power that it had, if you if you're, you know, being selective. It's like, you know, that first time when you were dating, husband and wife, before you were dating, before you, I mean, before you were husband and wife, when you were dating, that first time he said, I love you. <gasps> that first time she said, I love you. Oh. <sighs> Oh man, you thought about it all day. All day. You felt it deeply. Now it's get off the phone. Love you, love you, love you, love you, love you. <laughs> right? Right? And it's a great thing to do. It's a great thing to do. And I'm not saying don't do it. You should say it all the time. But do you see what I'm saying? The meaning's not quite, it's kind of like a habit. It's a good habit, but it's kind of like a habit. And you don't want something like prayer to just to become a habitually thing you do and it loses its so it's not it's not something that we just say over and over and over again there's nothing wrong with reciting it some of you have it memorized you've heard it so many times maybe at weddings maybe at funerals maybe in previous church experiences but the point was not for us just to repeat it it was an example jesus gave us to say pray like this these are the kinds of things to pray for these are the kinds of things to pray about and there's a couple of different instances that Jesus gave us. And when he described the, the Lord's Prayer, in, f- in fact, Two times specifically in the New Testament, Jesus talked about the Lord's Prayer. Now, he probably taught about it many more times than just these two because Jesus went around from village to village and town to town and area to area proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And so because there was no technology back then and, and nobody could record what Jesus said and then post it to YouTube the next day, and, and you know, just handwriting was pretty slow, Jesus probably repeated himself from town to town to town, right? Because he had very important things to say. They've heard it. They haven't heard it. So I'm going to go tell them. Then I'm going to go two hours over there and tell them. And so he probably taught about the Lord's Prayer many times. We have a couple of instances. One, when Jesus was praying one day and his disciples were hanging around and they noticed that Jesus was praying, so they asked him, Hey, could you teach us to pray? And then he taught them. The Lord's Prayer. But probably the most famous is when Jesus was given his most famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew records this. The Sermon on the Mount. It's called the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus was on a mount and given a sermon. Real creative, right? (laughs) Sermon on the Mount. And in this section, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's talked about prayer. And he talked about the motives of prayer and why people pray and, the you know... healthy way, an unhealthy way. And, and then he said, so when you pray, pray like this. And he gives us the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And see, some of you, you said that right along with me. You wouldn't even have to look. You just had it memorized. Now that's a beautiful, isn't that a beautiful prayer? So meaningful, and there's so much that we're going to be able to learn together. But before we jump into that, I, can I point out something that's interesting? That parenthetical part, the very end, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you're following along or reading in one of, a, one of your modern translations of the New Testament, you'll notice that's not in there. Now, if you're reading one of the older translations like this, King James Version or one of the other older translations, it's... It's in there, but some of the new modern translations, you know, if you're looking at your Bible, and I know you don't bring your Bible to church. You, you got it, right, on your phone and all that kind of stuff. And, and by the way, that's one of the, one of the biggest criticisms we get at the summit. You realize that? People don't bring their Bibles to church. I can't believe they don't bring... Well, they didn't bring their Bibles to church for the first 1,500 years before there was a printing press either. <laughs> How'd you worship Jesus for a millennium and a half without a Bible? Anyway, that just messed up somebody's whole afternoon. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Bring your Bible. We, we put it up here on 13-foot screens. We you know, have it on your phone. It's great. It's great. It's great. And that, that was free. It's just a little soapbox of mine. But if you're reading along in one of your modern translations, you're going to be like, oh, wait, this is not in there. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Here's the deal. That's called the doxology. That last part, the doxology. A doxology is an ending. It's an ending. It's like we say all the time, Amen. Amen, amen. It's actually not part of the prayer. It's the end of the prayer. You can open your eyes now. <laughs> right, right? It's, it's not for God, like, oh, good, there's not talking to me now, right, you know? No, 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 it's just one of those endings. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just one of those things. And, and, and you'll often hear us talk, in Jesus' name, amen, just a doxology. Now, this is a doxology, and it actually is not found in the oldest Greek manuscripts of the New Testament, which means it was probably added later. And to the best of our knowledge, it was added around the 16th century when the first English translations of the Greek New Testament were being made. Like, ooh, that's a problem. No, it's not a problem because it doesn't change the meaning. it's, It's not bad. It's not wrong. It's actually a quote from 1 Chronicles 29 in King David's prayer in the dedication of the temple. Thine, O oh Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory. And so it's just a doxology. It's, it was a familiar doxology that they would often put at the end of prayers. And many people find it beautiful and meaningful. So it, it was included. But this is an opportunity for us to begin looking at prayer through the lens of the Lord's Prayer and understanding The relational component of prayer. That's what I want to spend the rest of our time talking about. A lot of that was introduction, so you know this is what we're doing in this series. Let's talk about the relational component of prayer. Because it's highly relational. Here we go. Our Father, which art in heaven. Our Father, our Father... The foundational context that prayer is built from is a father-child relationship. A father-child context. A father-child dynamic. That's so very important, so crucial. Now here are the facts. God is not male or female. God is a spirit. However, For whatever reason, God decided to reveal himself to mankind as father. And we certainly know Jesus, God in flesh and bone, was male. So God chose to reveal himself, thought it would be best for us to help us understand who he is best by revealing himself as father. And so one of the most important elements of prayer is understanding this relationship that we have with a heavenly father and we as his children on earth. Now, here's the deal. Thinking of God as your heavenly father may be tough for some of you. If you're like me, it can be challenging. Why? Because some of us didn't have very good earthly father experiences with our dad. And so subconsciously, you know, how we learn about God is often how we perceive our parents. And we just assume God is like mom, God is like dad, God is like the authority figures in my life. And so if you look at your earthly dad and think that must be what God is like, for some of you, that's a gift because you had a wonderful earthly father. For people like the rest of us and like me, I, I'm like, wow, that's, maybe that's why I've struggled with it. In years past. Maybe that's why it's a challenge. But here's the deal. Even if you have daddy issues. On earth. You and I need to know. The safety and the comfort. And the love that comes from a perfect. Father. The safety. The comfort. The love. The unconditional acceptance. That comes from a perfect father. Our father in heaven. So that's how it begins, this relational dynamic. Our Father, which art in heaven, you're God's child. He is your heavenly Father. And then He goes on, Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed is an interesting word, and here's what it means it means highest honor, highest respect goes to you. You deserve the highest amount of honor, the highest level of respect. Your name. Not my name, but your name. This is about your name. I am coming to you as my heavenly father and you are most highly honored and most highly respected. You are the focus, the focus of everything. And then he gets to this next part, which we're gonna spend the rest of our time kind of unpacking this together because this is right where we live. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This part reminds us what prayer is really all about and who prayer is really all about. And it ain't me and it ain't you. It's not us. Prayer is ultimately about him. Now that may come as a shock to you. That may be a challenging thought to you. And it is interesting because you know why most of the time we decide to pray in the first place? It's because of something's up with me. Something's up in my life. I have a need. I have an issue. I have a problem. And I want to come to you, God, and tell you about what's going on in my life. The primary motivation for our prayers is often our own needs. And yet, prayer is not really mostly about us. It's mostly about him. What? Yeah. You say, well, okay, so does God care about my needs? Yes, he most certainly does, and we're actually going to talk about that next week, so make sure you don't miss it. However, I will say this, even though our needs may motivate us to pray, we make it way too much about us. We take it way too far, as us human beings have a tendency to do. In fact, a lot of times, we don't even come, and we'll say more about this next week, we don't even come to God in prayer unless we need something. Things are going great. God's like, you still down there? I see you enjoying all that, all those blessings. Oh, one of them break, I'll hear from you in the morning. Oh, God! Oh, there you are. What things not going so well for you? Yeah. Hmm. I'm telling you, this is just fascinating stuff. But this brings us really to the point of prayer to begin with. The point of prayer is for us to align ourselves with the Father's heart. Align our heart with the Father's heart. Align our thinking with the Father's thinking. Align our will and our understanding with His. That's the point of prayer anyway, just like Jesus did. That's why he said, when you pray, pray like this, thy kingdom come. I know we don't use the word kingdom a lot, right? Unless you're like the magic kingdom, you got little kids, Disney, or maybe you're in the whole Game of Thrones thing. I never got into that, but... So it's kind of archaic, you know, thy kingdom come. What's that all about? Don't think of a physical kingdom. Don't think of a physical place in space. Think of the way of the Father. The kingdom of God coming is about the way of the kingdom. The way things are up there needs to come down here. Thy kingdom come. The Father's way of doing things. The Father's way of life. Thy kingdom come. May there be alignment between who I am and who you are. And Jesus is the perfect example of this. It's basically the way of the Father is the way of Jesus. When you think of the will of God, substitute the way of God. See, it's a lot easier for us to understand it that way. The will of God is the way of God. The way of God is the will of God. This is how God wants things to operate. The way of Jesus. And we know the way of Jesus by looking at the life of Jesus. Jesus was the perfect example of the way of the Father. Jesus was the perfect example of what it looks like for in a life, in a human being's life, for thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Thy way up there needs to be your way down here. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. In other words, may the characteristics of where you are in heaven come here so that what's happening down here is a reflection of what's going on up there and who you are on earth as it is in heaven. May heavenly characteristics come down here. How in the world is that possible? Have you seen the world lately? Well, it was possible in Jesus, first of all, when Jesus was roaming the earth, he was literally bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. In fact, that's the way he was often teach. He would say, behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You're looking at him. You're experiencing it. And as G- people rub shoulders with Jesus, they were experiencing on earth as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. And then Jesus left. Well, now how's it going to happen? How is it going to be on earth as it is in heaven now? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. We are his followers, and he taps us on the shoulders and says, Okay, you guys, keep doing what I was doing. Thy kingdom come through your life, on earth as it is in heaven, through your life. Thy will be done through your life and my life. The way of the Father, the way of Jesus, the way of thinking, the way of living, the way of life from him. Through us. That's the plan. There's no plan B. That's it. That's how it happens. Imagine. Imagine. See, this gets really practical. Imagine in your living room, at your house, if it was on earth as it is in heaven. That's the point. And that's why we pray. And when we pray, that's how we pray. May things happen in this living room that would reflect the way things happen in heaven. How about the office? May things happen in this office today, in my life today, in this meeting today. God, may it be here as it is there. And may what happens there come down here through me. Help me be a participant of thy kingdom coming and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, here's the sobering reality. God's will is not always done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know why? Because we often decide not to choose the way of the Father, the way of Jesus we often decide not to choose to do things on earth as it is in heaven because it comes through us. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven through you and me. That's basically what he's saying. And so when we decide to do our own thing and we decide to choose the way of self and comfort and ease and greed, when we try to control yeah, it grieves the heart of the Father. And we are hurt, and other people are hurt, and the way of the Father doesn't have its way like it should. That's why prayer keeps us aligned. Prayer keeps us aligned with the heart of the Father, the way of the Father, the way of Jesus, what the kingdom is supposed to be about, the kingdom of God, what the will of God, the way of God is all about. It, It keeps us thinking about that and focused on that so we know how to live that out down here. So when I go to that meeting or I go to the office or when I'm sitting in the living room with my family or we're just passing each other in the kitchen, then the way of the Father can have its way in our way. Let me paint the picture a little bit differently. Maybe help us understand as we wrap up our time together what, what the Lord's Prayer teaches us about prayer to this point. Have you ever noticed how an earthly dad is honored by his family? I'm sure you have, and maybe you've never thought about it like this, but you will now. Have you ever noticed how a family or an individual, one of the ways they honor the dad, the father of the family, especially if he's passed, but even if he's still living in the present. How? Well, if you'll listen to the way they talk, you'll hear things like this. Well, we do it this way because this is the way dad would do it. This is the way I I do this because this is the way dad would do it. It, we, we We go here, we eat this, we do it like this instead of like that. We do it on this day instead of that day and... Yeah, it doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but this is the way dad would have wanted it done. I mean, even if you don't have a good relationship with your earthly dad, like me, that I understand that. That touches a deep place in my soul. Or, you know what, we do it this way. We do it this way because dad would love this. Or, or something will be done or something will be said and somebody in the family and say, oh man, dad would have loved this. Or, or this is the way dad taught me to do it. This is the way my dad showed me how to fix this. I know how to fix this because this my dad taught me and I just do it like he did it. And sometimes when you don't know what dad would want, and sometimes you don't know what dad would love, and you don't know what dad would do, and you don't know what dad would say, if your dad is still living, you call him up, and you say, hey, dad, hey, dad, how would you fix this? Hey, dad, could you can you remind me again how you did that? Growing up, I remember seeing you do that, and I never quite understood how you made, dad, could you walk me through that Could step by step, dad? Step by step, and, and you know, and I know you, you don't do the cell phone thing, Dad, but, but if you could just draw it out, draw it out, take a picture, have Mom take a picture, Dad, and send it to me. Dad, how would you do this? How would you say this? That is prayer. And that's what the Lord's Prayer teaches us. About our relationship with our heavenly Father, you know what prayer is. Prayer is us coming to our heavenly Dad and saying, "Hey, hey, Dad, I, I want to do this the way you would do it. Can you help me do it the way you would do it?" You know, I I, I don't seem to have the words, and I'm and I'm confused, and I'm angry, and and I'm 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 hurt, I'm frustrated. So before I go into this conversation, Dad, Heavenly Dad, could you help me know how you would say this? How, how, would, how would you say it? You know, you know, Dad, I, I just, I just want to do, do it the way you would love for it to be done. I just want make you proud. Hey, hey, can you help me know what what it is you taught us to do, because I forgot. I forgot. How did you teach us to do this? Can you show me? Show me. Show me how to do it. Show me how to say it. That is prayer. I want your way. I, 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 want, I, I want your way of thinking, your way of living to be done in this living room, in this office, wherever. And I want you to do it through me. Here's another way to Say it. Another way to pray it. Father, may your way shape what I do and say today. Father, may your way shape what I do and say today. Imagine if every day you woke up on that day to say, Father, may your way shape what I do and say today. I got a big day coming up. I got, I got some challenging things. got some scary things. I'm, I'm worried. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to interact. So, Father, Dad, may your way shape my words and my actions. See, that's, hey, moms and dads, dads and moms, Grandparents, pray that for your family. Pray that for your marriage. And you know what it'll do? It begins to shape what you do and say. Makes you mindful of what you do and say. Is this the way of the Father? Is this the way of Jesus? Hey, heck, in the middle of an argument, somebody needs to call a timeout and pray this. Father, may your way right now, in this moment. We don't see eye to eye. Hurtful things have been said. Harmful things have been done. May your way right now shape what comes out of our mouth. You feel that? Can you imagine how that would change things? Father, may your way shape what I do and say today. It'll affect how you treat people. It'll affect the decisions you make, every decision you make. But that is the heart of prayer. That's what Jesus was getting at when he said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's really about you. It's not really about me. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth here, now, as it is there in heaven. May your way shape what I do and say today. It's about humility. It's about submission. It's about trust. And it will shape your heart. And it will shape who you are and who you become. May we pray like that. Let me pray for you. Dear Father, our Heavenly Dad, for some of us, that brings very warm thoughts and feelings. For others of us, we're not quite sure what to do with the thoughts and the feelings that that brings. But may we know we have the safety, the security, the comfort, and the love of a perfect father. Even though life may be tough, life may be hard, we are yours. We belong to you. You are our heavenly dad. And this is about you. This is not about us. Even when we bring our stuff to you, it is about understanding what your way is and the way of Jesus, about your kingdom coming here through us, your will, your way being done in every environment through us on earth, here, now, as it is there in heaven, through us and by your power, by your grace. Father, may your way shape our words and our actions today and every day. And may we know that prayer is just this simple. It is just this pure. And may it hit a deep place within our soul that all of us need touched. In Jesus' name, amen.